Let's do it. All right. This is a special episode today, guys. It's our first uh, themed episode. First themed episode. We're not recapping the show. It's just uh, us talking about a certain topic, uh, a top ten, if you will. Yeah. And v, what is uh, today's topic? Today's top ten is each of our ten top ten moments of when we think of wrestling, what we think of. Yeah, the first thing. Yeah. And that, that was tough because it was like, you're like, what do I, I – I, the first couple was like right off the bat. I'm like, boom, boom. Then I'm like, what do I think of when I think of wrestling? It's been how many years? 27 years. Yeah, like, and it's – A it's, lot to cover. It's like a tumbler block when – because it can – like you hit one topic and then it jumps into something else Ooh. and you think of something else. And then you're kind of like, do I want to use those? Now, did you have common wrestlers that came up a lot? Yes. Oh, of course. Oh, of course, yeah. Same. Attitude error, right? Um, so jumping back, oh, this is the Kickstarter podcast. Yes. <laughs> oh, we didn't even introduce ourselves. No, we oh, didn't. I'm, I'm Adam. Dar- I'm Darcy. Yes, yeah. Almost that's Adam. <laughs> and that's Adam. So uh, the way we're doing this is, uh, if we ha- have uh, cro- we're each doing our own top ten, and if we have uh, a similar topic on the list, if one of us has it higher up, if uh, one of us starts getting into it, like, hold on a second, man. We'll talk about that when it gets to. When it gets a little higher on my list, yes. So, all right. And uh, V, I'm gonna let you go first, bud. Are you oh. sure? <laughs> yeah, man. So okay. Number ten. Number, Number ten. ten. Number ten, just for Darcy. <laughs> it's the Goldberg streak. Oh. <laughs> oh God, why? I know. I almost think you picked this out of spite. <laughs> you, you know what? Because when I wrote my list. I went backwards, right? So, I mean, number one is the first thing I well, think that's of. that's what I have, too. Yes. Yeah, so, that's why so I again, those tumbler blocks working my way down. Uh, and I, I got to number 10, and I'm like, it has to be. It has <laughs> to be. <laughs> well, you know the what? streak. Why not? It was during the most popular time in wrestling. Yeah. And it was really um, not even in the background. It was just – it was almost like its own separate entity, especially because, okay, so – um, Goldberg was one of the most popular professional wrestlers of the late 1990s. Whether you True. like, whether you yeah. like him or not, oh, dude, I'll, I'll admit there. that gladly. That even though I don't, I'm obviously his biggest fan. Yeah, yeah. Sure. He he was at that point one of the big public faces of WCW. He he was the best new star they'd ever produced. So, um, his streak pretty much went uh, 97 to 98. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Let's see here. I have match total somewhere. Come on, I know. Do I need to go professor on you? (laughs) (laughs) Can I take a guess at it for you, Anson? Okay. 174. No, 174 and 1? 173. So, and apparently he held that. You didn't get that 174. Kevin Nash. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, it was actually Nash that beat him, broke the streak, and it was um, Hall and Nash. Well, actually, he was wrestling. He was wrestling Nash, wasn't it? Yes. And then Hall jumped in with the taser, cattle prod. Yeah, that's what did him in. So um, that was the undefeated streak. It was the record, so to speak, until 2017. Someone beat. What do you mean? Someone beat it? Uh, No one beat it. Yes, Asuka. Oh my God, she beat the streak. She apparently beat the streak. Well, before we get go into that, first of all, that's amazing. I did not I, know. I, that. I have I have no I have no statistics on that other than what I I read. Well, the funny thing is the Goldberg streak just isn't even legit, eh? Like, cause it, it would jump from nitro to nitro. It's like he went from like like seventy four and zero to seventy nine and zero, and it's like he didn't fight five guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like how did he fight five guys in a couple of days? And it's okay, like I want to see the live event log, V. That's what I want to see. 
Yeah. And, and like, there was the whole, um, Jericho was always poking fun at it. Oh, man. That was probably the, the highlight for me for the him challenging, constantly egging him on and never getting his comeuppance. And yeah. And it was like the, um, the who's next. That became the, the catchphrase. Man, that was a solid catchphrase. I'll give him that. That is a solid catchphrase. Yeah. And I mean, every single match, kind of the same thing. He got in there. He'd toss him around. He'd hit the spear. And that, that's what I didn't like, V, at the time, because I'm, I'm always been about the big match and yeah. the guys that could wrestle. But you know what? Now that I'm older, I think about it. There's, you know, not everyone has to be like that, right? I mean, you could have guys maximize their value, right? Short, high-impact matches. Mm-hmm. And that's where I changed my, shifted on Goldberg. And you're like, aha! He is your favorite wrestler. <laughs> like, no, he's not. I'm just saying. I'm, Again, I have. I, I appreciate him more now. Yeah. Well, and, and I, again, it was the gimmick. It's what he brought to it, right? And I, I, again, like, and it was different. No one ever dominated like that, right? No. And then I mean, WWF, WWE. Sorry, um, had Gilbert. <laughs> oh my Who, God. Whose whose catchphrase was who's first? <laughs> and by the way, did you know that Goldberg met him when he came to the WWE, and he fucking hates Goldberg. Really? And Goldberg's like he's like. I was I was it was a tribute to him. I was a big fan, and he goes he's just like no, get the fuck away from me, dude. Like he legit. Well, because Goldberg's always been a guy kind of like I feel like the Ultimate Warrior, and that he cares so much about his brand. Yeah, and it was kind of the that. same thing with the whole Jericho thing. That was all meant to build, and even Jericho said himself the whole end game was Goldberg eventually beating Jericho and getting his come up. Jericho getting his come up, uh, blah, his comeuppance. Yeah, but Goldberg felt like he was making fun of him and personally attacking him and hurting his brand, you know? And I, I, it was just a bad way of thinking. Yeah, he seems like a very, very serious guy. Does he? Ta- I think he takes himself, r- like, way too seriously. All right, so, um, yeah, and I mean, WWE got him. They got a hold of him. They, they couldn't do much with him. Um, and, you know, it was, it was just one of those unfortunate things. He's been back and forth since then. He, uh... Actually, is more of a wrestler when he came back, which was good to see. Darcy doesn't know how to pour a beer. Uh, <laughs> we got a bit of foam. Uh, oh, did you get it on your phone? Maybe, yeah. You suck. Okay, so um. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. I can still, still remember this. Whew. If not, we're going all through mine. It's gil- it's Goldberg yeah, all night long, baby. <laughs> All right, so is that, is that it for your number ten? Bud? And yeah, we'll we'll call that. My, that's my number ten. So what's your first one? My first one, number ten. Shawn Michaels makes his return in 2002. So, you know, 1998, uh, Shawn Michaels gets a, a real serious back injury in yeah. a casket match. And after WrestleMania gets sidelined, uh, you know, goes out. And it, for all everyone knows, everyone thinks he's done. Like, his career's over. Mm-hmm. And he disappears and, uh, you know, comes back briefly as a commissioner and stuff. But nothing serious. And then after uh, even having serious drug problems being on painkillers and stuff for his back. Yeah. So he goes, uh, you know, goes through a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, like he becomes very Christian, kind of like a. Oh, sabbatical. Yeah. And like he becomes like a, like a reborn, reborn Christian, right? Born again Christian and makes sense turns his from. life around and he makes a return uh, as a manager for the NWO and he comes in and so. It all seemed like it was building to a match with him and Triple H. Because um, mm-hmm. that King of the Ring, they ran into Triple H in the back, the NWO. And, it, you know, NWO being heel, Triple H being face. Yeah. It's kind of like this, I think it's going to be this altercation. And they all end up hugging and stuff. 
And then so the next night on Raw, Sean says, we're going to bring another member into the NWO. We're offering a spot for Triple H. And if he comes in, it's going to be unstoppable. But if you don't take it, we're going to make the decision for you. Oh. All right? And so the NWO ended up falling apart. You know, Kevin gets injured. Yeah. Uh, X-Pac gets fired. And the big show is just the big show. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately. So at this point, Triple H is a free agent. And both Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon, the general managers for Raw and SmackDown, are trying to convince him to go to each show. And Sean uh, kind of jumps in and says, dude, come to Raw. You and me will be unstoppable. All right? And, of course, being his best friend, he agrees to go. Yep. So the next night on Raw, they're in the ring, and Bischoff gets in there, and he says, you know, Sean, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Triple H and his manager, Sean Michaels. And Sean immediately is not happy. He's like, I don't want to be your manager. And <laughs> Triple H kind of calms him down, and then he comes up with an idea. And later that night, they come out in their DX shirts, and they're doing their shtick, and everyone's cheering. And Triple yeah. H does the, let's get ready to suck it. And there it is. Boom. Hits Sean in the gut and pedigrees him. And at this point, I'm still thinking Sean's just the manager, and like this is just like a hit them writing him off TV, right? Yeah. And so the next week after that, Triple H does a big speech about how Sean, I was trying to show you that you're weak and that you belong as my manager, and this is me kind of putting you in your place. And then uh, one of the officials comes and talks to him, and Sean apparently gets his head thrown through a car window. So Triple H is immediately like, concerned, right? Yeah. So what I liked about this, they did the, the double turn, if you will. So like, like a return. So yeah. the next week on Raw, Triple H is tr on the hunt trying to figure out who threw Sean through this window. And he, there were a couple people that accused, and he accuses the big show. He accuses the un-Americans. Yeah. And they're all saying, you know, we didn't do it. And Triple H gets in the ring and Sean appears on the Titan Tron. He's got, he's all, you know, black eyed and, you know, you know, cut from all the glass. And he goes, all I know for sure is I was hit from behind, but he's got footage and he plays the footage and it's Triple H throwing Sean through the window. Oh. And he goes, it was you, Hunter. And I love this. Triple H looks down like he's been caught and then he just smirks and he goes, you damn right it was me, Sean. <laughs> and, you know, again, I'm thinking this is all just to get heat on Triple H maybe doing a heel turn and that Sean's just going to fade away. Yeah. Because I was still convinced, you know, the injury's never coming back. Well, especially a back injury, right? And then Sean says, you know, I've talked to the doctors and they said I'll be 100%. 100% by, say, SummerSlam. And, dude, I'm not exaggerating. The hairs on my forearm stood <laughs> up. Now, I'm not exaggerating at all, man. I was legit like, oh, my God, Shawn Michaels is coming back. And, dude, the match at SummerSlam, like, I can't remember the last time I felt like a kid watching a wrestling match, man. Yeah. Because, like, I was legit nervous for him because I'm at the back. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to hold up. And, you know, the match is going, and I keep thinking that this entire match, at this point, all was known as this is going to be Sean's one-off match. Like, he's not coming yeah. back. He didn't know he's going to have a fucking eight-year renaissance here, right? But so during the match, I'm thinking, you know, Triple H. Uh, so Sean's only having one match. So basically my, my theory is they're just going to put Hunter over. And Sean's going to fade off into the sunset, right? So, And it, the way that match is going, I'm thinking yeah. it's, it's going to happen because Sean's getting all this offense in at the end. Like, he climbs up the top rope, but Triple H is on the table, and I'm like, here's where he's going to fuck it up. Triple H is going to move. Hits the splash on the table. Splash. Like, okay, hits the splash. Puts him in the ring. Sean starts climbing a ladder. I'm like, this is where Triple H is going to move. He's going to move. <laughs> hits the elbow drop. Hits the elbow. Like, he hits it. He hits it. So now he's going for sweet chin music. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to happen here. And he goes for the kick. Triple H catches it, kicks him in the gut. I'm like, oh, he's going for the pedigree. It's over. 
Sean grabs the legs, rolls them up, and gets the win. Gets the win. Yeah. Dude, like, I jumped out of my chair like I was a five-year-old, man. I was so stoked. And that, that elbow drop through the table, that was on highlight reels for, like, right. eight years. Man, I could watch that match any day, man. I love it. It brings me back to being a child, man. And, like, every every time Triple H attacked his back, like, everyone felt his pain, man. Because, like, you know that back injury was legit. You're like, oh, God, don't hurt him. Yeah, and he targeted he targeted her early on and went for it right away. So that was my number 10. Sorry, I was a little long-winded, but. Yeah, no, that's fine. Oh. So good. Which which is kind of funny because my number nine, stop me if you got it on your list, DX. I don't have it on my list. I know. Wow. Okay. <laughs> he, he has lost some yeah. respect for me. <laughs> huh. Okay. So no. um, when, I was, when I was looking up the original run, the original members, it <laughs> says the original members were Shawn Michaels, Triple H, China. And Ravishing Rick Rude. And Ravishing Rick Rude. I do not remember that. This is so random. So Rick Rude came back as a bodyguard for Shawn Michaels. And it was such – you know, thinking back, he stands out like a sore thumb. I remember that now. Cause, okay, and yeah, I'm yeah. Not, This isn't the ravishing Rick Rude that would, like, you know, you know, yell at the crowd and call him sweat hogs and do his posing. This is just a, a Rick Rude that didn't say anything. Yeah. It's just Shawn's heavy. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And you know what? Like – yeah, right until you said that, I was like, I'm like, I do not remember. And then I was like, oh, yeah, now I remember. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was the um, the original roster for the DX. And they uh, they expanded. They wanted to be the, the mainstay of the Attitude Era. They were one of the big staples of the Attitude Era. Um, later on, they picked up X-Pac. Yep. X-Pac. <laughs> X-Pac. X-Pac. Six-Pac, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got to keep those beers going. And the New Age Outlaws. Uh, great additions. Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Probably a, maybe the f- most famous uh, version of that group. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, they had the gimmicks. They rode the tanks. They did all. Well, that, that's where it started, man. The uh, invasion, right? Yeah, the invasion. The suckets. Um, apparently, they had Tori, too. Tori? Oh, that was, yes, that was in the uh, when they were heels. But not, not the Tori you're thinking. You're thinking Tori Wilson, right? Yes. No, this is a different Tori. This is a different Tori. Yeah, you're not going to remember me. Yeah, totally blank. This I'm in 2000. This is the heel version where uh, not the most popular version of DX. Yeah. So then they, they tease the reunion in 2002, which was the Triple H heel turn on Michaels that Darcy just oh, talked about. Oh, man. Heartbreaking because uh, everyone wanted it, right? Yeah, everybody wanted They did reform in 2006. I love that. Duel. I love that. A lot of people don't like that because they were a much more watered-down version. Sean being a Christian. and What? Yeah, they're more they're more childish humor. <laughs> and you know what? And I like that because they 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 really went at the fact that Sean was losing his hair. Um, <laughs> all those freaking DX uh, Christmas vignettes. All, yeah. Oh my god! All the time. And it's like like I love the argument. That's my favorite one. Where it's like we have the history of the Intercontinental Title uh, thing, where you can see my three title reigns, and then yeah. Sean goes, "You can also see my five title reigns." And he's like, "Oh yeah," and he's like. It's like, well, I held this many world titles. It's like, oh, yeah, well, did you hold them when you have all this hair? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> the fight. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it was, it was a lot more mm-hmm. lighthearted humor. They talk about um, Stephanie, <coughs> Stephanie's boob job all the time. Now, the thing that I almost put on my list for DX was DX mocks the nation. Do you remember that? The Nation of Domination? Yeah, the Nation music hits, and they all come out dressed like a member, and they had Jason Sensation doing the Owen Hart impersonation. Mm-hmm. Enough is enough! And it's time for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's so good. 
That was great. I did a terrible impression of Owen, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he, did a, he sounded just like if you closed your eyes, you thought you were listening to Owen Hart. That was good. So then um, I, I got a list of accomplishments as a group. So the WWF or WWE champion, four times Shawn Michaels. Triple H had it three times. Uh, yep. Is that this accurate? This is the, this is the stats I got. Well, tr- I think Shawn was a four-time world champ, including like the one like before the, the world belt, like the the world title belt. Uh, they that they called it the WWF championship. Oh, okay. Right. So I don't know. I know he's got three. Okay. So yeah, it's got him at four. Triple H at three. Intercontinental. Triple H had it one. Uh, Road Dog had it once. Yep. Intercontinental champion. Yeah, I was surprised to see that European. Michaels had it five times. What? He did? Yeah. I only know him having like one inter- uh, European title reign. Uh, Triple H had it twice. X-Pac had it twice. Yep, that sounds about right. Uh, the Hardcore Championship. Oh, God, that's great. Everyone's had that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the um, Hardcore Championship. Road Dog had it a bunch. Road Dog had it twice. Billy Gunn had it. Uh, Tag Champs, the Outlaws had it. And Triple H and Shawn Michaels held it. Oh, that's right. The universe, they had the uh, Unified Tag Championships, yeah. finally. And then uh, when it rolled over to the WWE champ- Tag Champs, Sean and Triple H had it twice. Xbox and Billy Gunn had it once. And then uh, Women's Championship. Oh, China. China and <laughs> Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Oh, because then yes, the, I guess you count her in DX in the, the heel run when it was the McMahon Helmsley. Uh, I, I, I guess, yeah. Oh, geez, that was a horrible time. I think that, that killed the DX at that point, the end of the 90s, when they went they went heel and it was like, oh, God. It got hard because at that point, like, they're trying to pull out of the Attitude Era and trying to clean it up well, a bit. Well, at that point, too, I think it hurt all the other members because at that point they weren't all, uh, like, equal members. It was more like Triple H's henchmen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really seemed like that. Yeah, because he was really making the title runs at that point, right? Yeah, he, that, that's why he became the world champion. Then he reformed DX as a heel group. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they just became his lackeys, right? And that was my number nine? Okay, now my number nine. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pause before I say it because I feel like you might have it. Uh, Austin Brett, WrestleMania 13. I do not. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I went for something else, so you can list that one. Yes, well, I know you have it because some historians say uh, a certain segment made Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it definitely gave him attention and a great T-shirt. And a great but T-shirt. But I feel like he was spinning his wheels trying to find himself. And there's going to be a couple moments on here that I have that I have on my top ten for Steve Austin. And one of them is this match with Bret Hart. Because so the build, it, this match wasn't even supposed to happen, V. It was supposed to be Bret Sean too. Yes. Uh, everything was being built towards that. And I think that's kind of what led to the turn at the end of Mania. Because so when Bret left – the whole thing they were trying to build was that Brett was not okay with Sean being champion, right? They were yeah. both faces at the time. So when Brett came back in November, they were slowly building him and Sean while he was feuding with Austin. And Brett, even though he was a baby face, was taking jabs at Michaels and kind of complaining a lot. Oh, right? yeah. And so it was all building to that match. So when Sean lost his smile and uh, he just – vacated the championship some say whether it was a knee injury or whether he just didn't want to put brett over no one knows but sean maybe truly so he vacated the title yeah he gave up the world title and brett believed it was because that the injury wasn't real and that it was just to avoid putting him over at mania so 
got WrestleMania got shuffled, and they put him in a match with Austin. And uh, even though, and funny thing is, if you listen to Brett talk about, it, he was like, I don't even know why I was in the match because it felt like me and Steve were done. And I'm thinking, actually, this feud feels like it's not over because I mean that 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 match alone it told a story. Oh, exactly. Right. It was so, great. Yeah. So the whole they had a match at Survivor Series where Austin was calling him out. Brett makes his return, beats Austin. But after that, Austin keeps attacking him on Raw and stuff. Uh, you know, keeps costing him matches, and Brett's getting more and more pissed off. Comes the Royal Rumble. Brett eliminates Austin, but the refs don't see it. So Austin climbs back in and throws Brett out. Oh, yeah. And wins the Rumble. So they end up having a final four match to kind of decide who's going to go to Mania mm-hmm. due to the controversy. And Brett eliminates Steve. And that's supposed to be the end. But the next, and Brett ends up winning the world title. Yes, he does. And the next night on Raw, when he's, he defends against Psycho Sid, Austin costs him the match. And that's what leads to their feud at Mania. Yeah. So the funny thing is Steve, in an interview, says he's sitting at home, and then he sees on TV they announce that it's going to be a submission match. And he's like, what the fuck? I don't know any submission holds. What the <laughs> hell am I going to do in this? He just hits people. And, and what I liked about this match is, like, they didn't do a submission match like a technical kind of – it was a more beat the crap out of your opponent until he can't – you yeah, know. it was almost. You could say it was like a very early I quit match. Yeah, and and funny thing is, Vince explained the match to laid out the layout of the match to Steve, right? And Vince, you know, doesn't get credit for, for being smart sometimes, being a little ahead <laughs> of the curve. Sometimes he's behind the curve, but sometimes he gets it right, and he recognized that there was t- there was a shift going on, and that there was g- they're gonna do a a switch where. Austin was going to become a face at the end of the match, and Brett was going to become a heel. Mm-hmm. And Austin was like, it's not going to work, Vince. This is insane. Like, he couldn't see it. And But here's what the shift was that was going on. You had, like I said, Brett on one hand, who was doing a lot of complaining, a lot of whining about, yeah. you know, being screwed. And, you know, it doesn't matter if um, you do feel sorry for a guy. If a person complains enough, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, you have enough. enough. Yeah, it's like, sh- just, yeah, just shut, shut the up fuck and, up. And just right? And that's what – and the funny is, I'm – this shift happened right when I was about 12 years old, mm-hmm. right when I was getting to the point where I was always about the white meat baby face, and I was shifting to the more rebellious guy, right? It was kind of like, Brett, sh- you know, Brett, you're whining a lot, man. It kind of pissing me off. And then you had Steve Austin, who was getting incredible heel heat at the time. Yeah. But at the same time, he was going out, beating the crap out of people, you know, just telling people off, didn't care. And there's something that you respect about a guy that just tells it like it is. You know what I mean? Does not give a shit. It's, it's that er- the very <coughs> early form of the uh, the antihero. Yeah, and it's the whole like you know you, you go what, what, at the time we were in school, right? You know you you can't you gotta behave in school, you gotta behave in society. You know you like you want to be this guy that just tells everyone to fuck off. Yeah, and, shit, and, right? and, and yeah, and that's the thing. like like you said, right? We're, you know we were young, we're in school. You you don't get that opportunity to rebel to really. <laughs> necessarily be an adult not not saying that adults just run around telling everyone to fuck off but i mean you know you're supposed to be respectful you're supposed to be well behaved yeah right? so you have to stay in the lines right so so there's that shift happening and uh in this match uh you know at one point austin uh has brett in the ropes and brett hits him with the ring bell busting austin open and then austin puts brett or brett puts austin, austin in the sharpshooter yep. And that iconic image, V, of Austin trying to push his way out and the blood's running down his face. And Just soaked. The one tooth is covered. Yeah. It made the back of a t-shirt, like, probably sold, like, made Austin a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and Austin doesn't give up. He pa- eventually passes out in the hold. So Brett gets the win. 
And after the match, Brett's attacking Austin's leg, and he's not letting up, right? And the fans immediately, even I at home watching this, was booing this. Yeah, it's like, being like you're come on, you won the match. Man, yeah. Like, screw off, man. And, and then, then Shamrock pulls him off, and to get more heel heat, he challenges Brett to, to, you know, to challenge him, and Brett just steps down. Brett Hart, the man who would never do that, yeah. steps down. Walks away. And, man, it was the right shift. In that moment, it was like Austin's coming out party as a hero. And he became a big face. And Brett, who I never thought could play a villain, man, did a great freaking job as a heel. And it was as the bitter. Uh, why I come back and everyone's changed and yeah, and fans it's, are booing me. It, it was great because uh, he really could just show up, and it was like a very one-dimensional heel, but it worked for him. Oh yeah, it was uh, like you know, like you said, everything's changed. Like on the one out of sorts, like why yeah, aren't I'm still the same guy? Um, yeah, booing me. Like, yeah, exactly. And you're cheering this guy who does all these dastardly things. Yeah, I thought, and I thought it saved WWE. I mean, they they were still losing the battle at WCW, but I feel like they were making the right changes. Yeah, and and that was it, it worked. It was a great arc, and I, th- I think that's what made Austin like at least changed his, put him on the the track to where he was gonna yep, go. Exactly. And that's my number nine. Number right. eight, P. My number eight is the early divas. Okay. Uh, so what, what divas are you speaking okay. of? <coughs> I'll go through. I got a little history. The histoire. The histoire. So <coughs> there's there's many, many divas. There was the early women's wrestlers. Okay. But the term diva was first used by Sable ah. on a Raw's War, April 19th, 99. And that um, she kind of referred to herself as a diva. And then th- it caught fire, and then next you know, all the women started being referred to as divas. And at that point, it was Sable, it was um, well, Jacqueline was there. Jacqueline, and Sonny was still running around. Oh, and was t- and uh, Terry. Do- yeah, she was doing drugs and all that kind of stuff. Oh, all that man, kind of stuff. Sonny. So, um, but they they weren't Trouble, really <laughs> they weren't really wrestlers. They were performers, so to speak. They were yeah. the eye candy, right? Yeah. So in the year two thousand, we got Lita, we got Trish uh, Stratus, Molly Holly. Yeah, huge uh, b- bunch of talent. I mean, Trish at the time, not yet. But not yet. Tr- Trish trained hard, and she was able to do it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Lita came in. She could tear it up. Molly Holly was a great performer. And um, someone you may not have on there, but uh, Victoria as well. Uh, I don't know who I got on here. More, <laughs> more, more jumping later. But, yeah, so um, Lita especially because she jumped – in right away, and she was pulling those high-risk moves, the hurricanas, the stuff, stuff off the ropes. And then uh, Trish Stratus debuted as the overtly sexualized valet. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, she learned how to wrestle. Oh, man, and she, she re- came in a star in the making. Yeah. Like, as soon as you saw her, you're like, wow. And it it added such contrast to what you saw, like women as managers, women running around, you know, half-naked or whatever. To, to actually see these women in the ring – Doing what they doing what the guys do was awesome, and sure. and it's like what we talked about on some of our uh, episodes. They don't get the credit that they wanted, especially not then. Matches were short. They were, but uh, I think they were better than the matches. The match times they were getting. Yeah, and some I mean, of them anyway. Yeah, and it was like just blown out, right? And everything started representing wrestlers a little more instead of like over the top sexy outfits. They were getting wrestling gear. They were, you know, coming out looking like wrestlers, right? To show them the evolution here into the what it is now kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, even uh, Stephanie fought Lita in a main event for the 2001. Um, On Raw? Yep. Yeah. So, and then in 2001, when WWF purchased WCW and ECW, mm -hmm. uh, they absorbed everybody else, and they were able to get, like, Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson. Those are the big two. Uh, Jazz, and I got Charmel. I don't remember Charmel. That's Booker T's wife. Oh, is it? Queen Charmel, but she didn't come till later. Yeah, well, she apparently they they picked her up and they sent her down. Oh, okay, so maybe yeah. So and and I mean at that point you get the bolster right, and then after that we got our Mickey's, we got our um, Beth Phoenix, Beth Phoenix, and it just it just slowly grew into what we have now, which is just literally taking Although, half the show. In between those, after Beth and Mickey, there was a, a very low period though, of like a low point. I feel like. Yeah, it, it it just seemed like they couldn't get the right talent, you know. But it, and again, it's good now. Now we have the actual women's division. Oh my God, it's so it's, it's po more popular than it's ever been. Yeah, it's half the stable. It's gonna main event WrestleMania, man. Yep. And it's and it's just great. And then I mean, going back and being a kid, you see all these beautiful women, and you're like, oh yeah. Oh my God. But then God. seeing now what it's become, you you kind of I really look back fondly at that because it's kind of like it's it's. I got to see the birth of something better. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that, that was my number eight. That was a quicker one. All right. V, tell me if this one's on your list. Number eight for me, Hulk Hogan joins the NWO. I do. I have, do? I have it a little higher up. Okay, all right. So we got to wait. We got to wait on that one. <laughs> all right, V, number seven, bud. Oh, man, I got to jump again. Okay, so uh, much like one of Darcy's other one, I I threw in another chunk. and uh, Well, I didn't really do the chunk. It was – the Austin era. Oh, as a whole? As a whole. Why not? Because. Well, why don't you tell me some of the highlights, bud? Okay. So, um, he really got to start King of the Ring. Yes. Right? The promo. He went through the tournament. He fought Jake the Snake Roberts. In the final. In yeah. the final. And at that point, WWF president was Gorilla Monsoon. Mm -hmm. um, he came out and um, <coughs> he offered to stop the match uh, due to rib injury. Um, Roberts, yeah. On Roberts, because he fought Vader in the semifinal. Um, but yeah, he regrouped <coughs> and um, went back at it. He attacked Austin, tried to hit the DDT. Austin went right for the ribs. Yep. Like just opportunist. <coughs> like a predator. Yeah. Like a predator. And it, and it kind of healed him a bit. People didn't like that. But then he hit the Stone Cold Stunner. Which he just recently started using too actually at that point. He, he had just started using it which is also the namesake of this podcast uh, kickstarter i don't think he had the kick in it yet he didn't he didn't have the kick he yet. didn't have the kick it yet just a it was just an awkward stunner just an awkward stunner <laughs> the man, but then um so he mocked roberts who's a bible preaching gimmick at that time yeah uh, kind of got over his demons by being coming religious yeah yep and um so he he gets up he grabs a mic and uh the quote is <coughs> Should I try to? I won't even try to do the voice. <laughs> you sit there and you, you thump, thump your, your Bible, Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about your John three sixteen. Austin three sixteen said I just whooped your ass. And there was a huge pop. And yeah, and then the crowd loved him. And that was like the birth of this huge anti-hero. Which like the next night on Raw, even the next night, the signs, Austin three sixteen signs everywhere. Yeah, and they got some. Pe people already had homemade shirts. Like it just. And the, the funny thing is, he had no. The funny thing is, the Austin on his podcast mentioned that they had a T-shirt guy, right? The guy made all their shirts. Didn't he want to talk to Steve whenever he had an idea? 
Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's running to Steve Austin. Oh, Steve, I got all these ideas for T-shirts. Steve, Steve. And it's so good because, I mean, when, when Steve came to the WWE, um, what, what was his gimmick in WCW? It was Stunning Steve Austin? Stunning Steve Austin, yeah. And, and which he, is ironic. Which, too, which is ironic. And, and, I mean, he, he had he had hair? <laughs> the blonde I, hair, yeah. The blonde I don't. Yeah, that was horrible. But then, yeah, like he came back and he tried to reinvent himself and he was trying to go with this whole badass kind of gimmick. And then it took off. It worked. It, it was just like right place, right time, right saying, you know? And um, after that, I mean, he just had his pick. Didn't matter who he wanted to feud with. I mean, like, like well, you said, he had his – the Bret Hart's. Well, and it was funny too because you look at the – after that Mania match, right? And it was like in three pay-per-views, he fought – he fought Brett, he fought The Undertaker, he fought Shawn Michaels. And he lost most of those matches. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but you never felt like he was losing. You n- and then like a, he just get I mean? right back up and just keep going, right? It was going, the right? slow build. You knew what was coming. And, and it's like – it's almost like it, it never really mattered what happened at the pay-per-views because then the next Monday, you know, the guy would come out and he'd start running his mouth and then Steve would come out of nowhere, kick stunner, you're, you're done. And then he's throwing the fingers, he's barking in your face, the beers come in, he's drinking on the turnbuckles, and that's it. And I mean, um, just everything. Didn't matter if he was going after The Rock. It didn't matter if he was going after Vince McMahon. Yeah. That was some of the best ones. The beer truck. Hosing everybody down. Oh my God, yes. Like, it was just... You know know a great story, too, with that, V, is when he's hosing them down, right? At one point, he puts the hose to take a drink from it. And Austin's he almost broke his nose because of the pressure. The pressure's so high. <laughs> He's like, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> <laughs> I still loved it when um, he came back for a quick stint. And uh, at that point, WWE was being sponsored by Keystone Light. <laughs> so he's up there and he's telling me, throw me the beers, throw me the beers. And they, they chuck him a couple of these Keystone Lights. And he, he had to like triple take it. Like, what the fuck is this stupid beer? You get like. <laughs> oh. And I just got to say, sidebar. Um, oh, no. What was that YouTube video? Uh, Steve Austin drinks fancy drinks. You know what's funny? It came up with my Facebook memories today. Did it really? Yeah, it, uh, I'm not even joking, man. That, yeah, yeah. Well, well, this has got to be a Shirley Temple. What the fuck is this sugar? Was this a birthday drink? It's like sugary piss water. <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? And he goes, "What? Give me another drink. Oh, beer. Oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, that sounds lovely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great video. And yeah, and I mean that 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 the whole Austin era pretty much coincided with the Attitude era to me. Well, yeah, he was the the figurehead for the attitude there. Yeah. And yeah, and that's that's your eight, eh? Yep. Okay. All right, V. My number seven, uh, the Mega Powers exploding. Okay. Do you know who the Mega Powers are? Remind me. Oh, dude, dude, <laughs> V. As soon as you as, sa- as a man is older than me, I know. I, as it's the Macho Man, okay. Randy Savage, and the Hulkster brother. Yep. Oh man, so. Now, I wasn't watching this as it was happening. This is all me watching videos. I was a couple years late for this, getting into wrestling. I think I was just coming in. But this was such a hot angle. And the funny thing is, I watched this all over four pay-per-views, and it told the whole story that I needed. And then there's this, the Saturday Night Main Event, uh, Saturday Night Main Event, which I will get to. So, uh, you know, you got the two most popular, su- arguably the two most popular superstars of the 80s. They uh, were at Hulk the time, Hogan yeah. And Savage. You can maybe see Andre. He's kind of gone the way down, kind of. Yeah, Andre, t- uh, Ultimate Warrior. I feel like he was a little later. But he, he, yeah, he, yeah, he was yeah closer to the 90s. But, yeah, it's arguable. So uh, you have Hogan as the top face, and you had Savage coming in as a heel. 
for the first couple years and mostly kind of fought Hogan a couple times, but mostly was kind of a mid-carder in Intercontinental title holder. So on a Saturday – the the whole funny thing is their (coughs) partnership started and ended on Saturday night main event. So on the first one I'm going to refer to, uh, Savage was fighting to get the Intercontinental title back from the Honky Tonk Man. And then the match to the Hart Foundation interfered, and they were holding Savage – and, you know, they're beating on him, and Liz is, you know, pleading with him to stop. And I feel like ever since Savage fought Steamboat at WrestleMania three, that was the shift because the match was so good that yeah. they were like, we got to turn him face. Yeah, and people, the crowd really started to get the behind the way he did his promos, too, people want, like, would like want to imitate his promos. He'd be like, Macho Man Randy Savage, cream of the crop, yeah. So Liz runs to the back, and you kind of think, oh, and I'd be like, oh, my God, Liz runs away. Unbelievable, just like a woman to run away from the – from the action. And that, that was Bobby, right? Probably, right? <laughs> and sure enough, Liz comes down taking Hulk Hogan. Hulk's kind of like, what are you What are you bringing me down? And the best is Hulk looks up and sees and starts doing that, <sighs> that huffy, yeah. puffy face he does. Gets he was so there. fat-faced back then. <laughs> right? Gets in there, cleans house, and Savage is helping him, and they're back-to-back, and they back into each other, and it's like a, whoa. And they're kind of staring at each other. They don't know what to do. And the crowd is just electric because they know, right? Yeah, you, you couldn't and, write that any and better. they're watching each other awkwardly, and Savage reaches out his hand. And this crowd just wants to see it. And Hulk finally reaches in. When they shake hands, you can feel the electricity in oh, the yeah. stadium. Oh, yeah, 100%. The Mega Powers is born. So fast forward to WrestleMania four, where they have the tournament for the vacated title. Macho Man wins it thanks to Hulk Hogan helping him beating Ted DiBiase in the finals, and they celebrate in the ring, and Hogan takes off after this to go do movies, yep. and Savage becomes the guy until for the next couple months. And then uh, near SummerSlam, uh, Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase start beating on Savage. Yep. So Savage recruits a tag team partner, and it's the best damn tag team partner <laughs> I can find. Yeah. And out comes Hulk Hogan. And so the SummerSlam match is set. You got the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. Yep. And they have their match. And uh, the Mega Powers come out victorious. And they start celebrating. And Hogan picks up Elizabeth and hugs her. And Savage is standing behind him. And he gets this look in his eye. Yeah, the, what you are know you doing, look, brother? That paranoid look. Yeah. And immediately, though, kind of brushes it off and goes to celebrate. And, you know, you don't think much. But you kind of go, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Fast forward to Survivor Series, and Hulk Hogan and Macho Man are the sole survivors of their team. And again, celebrating Hogan's hugging Liz. And now Savage looks a little more visibly upset. Getting a little worried. Yeah, a little more. He's pointing at him. And the funny thing is, Hogan has no idea that he's pointing at him. He's like, yeah, we won. And he's like, you, you. Then to the Royal Rumble. Hulk Hogan's in there, and uh, Savage is almost eliminated by Bad News Brown. Yep. And Hogan flips over Bad News Brown, but in the process eliminates Savage. So Savage immediately gets in his face, and it's almost like they're going to come to blows. But Liz gets in, interjects, and calms him down, and everything seems right with the world. And then on to Saturday Night Main Event V. One of the best written breakups I've ever seen. They're in a tag team match against the Big Boss Man and Akeem, the Twin Towers. And uh, so uh, during the match, Savage gets thrown out of the ring, and he lands right on Liz, and Liz is down. Yeah. And Hogan immediately goes to her side, and he's consoling her, and he's like, oh, my God, like just visibly distraught, right? And he picks up Liz and carries her to the back while Savage is in the ring going, what the hell? Yeah. And then 
Savage gets double teamed by a big bossman and Akeem, and it's just getting beaten on. And meanwhile, in the back, you know, Liz finally comes to, and Hogan's like, okay, you okay? I'm, I'm going to go out and help Randy. So he runs back out to there, gets on the apron, and Randy's fighting him off, and he, he does fight them off, and he doesn't go for the tag immediately. Doesn't want Jesse, to. Even Jesse the body's like, oh my god, I can't believe Randy's fighting these guys off. So Randy finally goes for the tag. That was a good Jesse. Right? <laughs> this is my favorite Jesse impression. He goes, what, he puts him in a headlock and Hogan scratches him? What's up with that, Tony? So, anyway, Savage goes for the tag, and he slaps Hogan right in the face and just jumps out of the ring. And so naturally Hogan's fighting two-on-one and Hogan of course wins the match himself because you know Hulk Hogan and he immediately runs to the back and he's looking for Randy and I feel like to make Randy um a heel in this situation because it's kind of like very gray yeah because you kind of understand where Randy's coming from in a way you got to but I mean like so Randy's but he's in the back and he's yelling at Liz and she's like still like disoriented he's yelling at her so that, that's that, kind that's of that's a heel move there yeah, yeah so Hogan gets in the back and they start getting into it. And Randy's saying, "You know, you got me in, you got me in the back seat like I'm the number three in the Mega Powers, and you never asked me for a title shot because you know what, you can't beat me." And then my, the the most famous line V goes, "Those eyes, those eyes lust for Elizabeth, yeah." And Hogan's like, "Oh, Liz, try to talk some sense into him." And then it happens. Randy levels him with the belt. Yeah. And, and my favorite type thing on that was he levels him. He goes, "Yeah, big time." Yeah. And he gets on top of him and just starts walloping Hogan, right? And this is where he really heals out. Liz gets off the stretcher and tries to take him off, and she gets in front of Hogan and is covering him up. And he's like, "Get out of the way! Get out of the way! Or I'm gonna plaster you on this floor!" And he picks up Liz and he just chucks her across the room. Yeah. And, yeah, it set up the match perfectly for WrestleMania five. You know, the feud have been building. And what makes a great heel turn is you can see – you can understand Randy's motivation. Even though he's paranoid, yeah. you can kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that was good storytelling back then because it wasn't just, you know, like, I'm suddenly bad. You, yeah. you see the turn. You see yeah, what happens. Yeah, the gradual turn, yeah. right? And it, it kind of matches his personality. He's a very paranoid kind of person. Yeah, I mean, drugs will do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right so where are we at now you're number six now? my number six <clears throat> so stop me if you've heard this one um i ended up going with wrestlemania 17 it was tlc number two. Oh, i don't have it on my list but a great entry my friend yes it was the hardys versus edge and christian versus the dudleys and um this became the staple of tag in my heart, these guys rewrote it. I mean, we talked about <coughs> actually no, I don't we haven't talked about it yet. Um, we talked about innovators, guys changing the game, and these guys they brought it to a whole new level. Also, I mean the tag scene before this was kind of in a lull. And a huge lull. And man, they really brought it up, man. Yes, because it was guys literally mutilating themselves and it was they had you know, the the wooden style ladders, they brought out the collapsible tables, they had the chairs, and it was let's play Lego. What what can we build and what can we take apart? Did you have a favorite V uh team for the three? Edge and Christian. You like the heels, eh? <sighs> always it's always Edge and Christian. I mean, um See, I didn't like them then, but they were so entertaining when I look back. Yeah. So entertaining, and and that's thing. I I think back then, uh, (laughs) I wasn't as dependent on who's heel, who's face. 
Mm-hmm. I, especially because, again, tags not something you pay that much attention to. Not not back then. Yeah. See, for so, me, it was the Hardys, which probably doesn't surprise you at all. No, and that's the thing. You know what? Hardys are right up there for me, too. So, yeah, that was um, <laughs> WrestleMania 17, April 1st, 2001. <clears throat> so, it was the tables, ladders, and chairs match. Um, every, bu- every guy, every team, sorry, had their respective coaches. So, Spike came out for the Dudley Boys. Yeah. Uh, Rhino came out for Edge and Christian. Yep. And Leader was with the Hardy Boys at this time. Each one came, yeah, each one came out. Yeah. So, um, all of them interfered during the match. That was a given. Um, so, Hardy set up the huge ladder, performed a swanton bomb through the tables. Yeah. That was the big, like, that was that a big was spot. A big that one. wasn't even the biggest spot of the match. No. <laughs> um... So, yeah, like, there, there was all kinds of stuff. Like, I mean... Um, the one that gets played the most. Yeah. Uh, at Jeff, at one point, he's trying to unhook the belts, and they literally take the ladder away. He's dangling. He drops. Um, well, it doesn't drop. Well, no. He does not drop. He gets speared. <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> that, that, that is one of the most epic spears ever. Um, what else do we have? We had... What, in the match? I think Matt and... Bubba went through a table together. Bubba and Matt went through a table. Uh, Rhino flipped the ladders, sending them over. Knocked him off, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, they went four stack tables, went through all of them. Um, Edge holding on to Devon's legs. Christian sat on Rhino's shoulders to unhook the belts. Yeah, and God, of course, Edge and Christian win. <laughs> and I mean, it was something like you just—they—they they, they started with it. They went with it. And they just kept making it better and better and better. Over the years, more and more teams got brought in. Um, more and more. I remember you showing me Johnny Nitro and Mercury's match when Mercury got oh, his, his face, face exploded. exploded. Oh, man. That was like It gross. was just just the essence. the um, Not even the revitalization. The, the creation of the TLC match. Uh, especially, again, Attitude Era. Right. You, you come up. You got all these badasses, and just like, what can we do now? I mean, you had ECW tearing it up. We were literally watching guys murder each other, and it's kind of like, well, how can we do that on a more mainstream kind of approach? And they, boom, TLC. And it just, it worked. It was beautiful, and I loved it. For sure, man. And, uh, you know, you think, where would their careers have gone if they hadn't done that? Like, would Edge Edge have become the star he had? Would uh, Jeff Hardy have become the world champion? Absolutely. And into a lesser extent, Matt and Christian had pretty decent careers themselves. Yep. I mean, the Dudleys kind of just kind of stayed tag champs in WWE, but yeah, which is unfortunate because I guess Bubba Ray had a great run on Impact. TNA. Yeah. Oh, TNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Boldy Ray. That's a shame, but uh, yeah, like like I said, the, the careers. I think uh, if they don't have that run, I don't know where they end up. Yeah. So that was mine, and your number six. Number six, Hulk Hogan body slams Andre the Giant. And it goes to, like, the, the, the childhood memory of me, man. Like, uh, at this point, like I said, I was well past this when it ha- originally happened. But yeah, when but I first I, got into wrestling. It was still highlights. Hulk Hogan was my hero. So it was always going to the video store to watch the old videos. And I remember I picked up the video. The the, the cover had Hulk and Andre's faces on it. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. I didn't know who Andre the Giant was. So, like, I showed this to Wait, my dad. Wait, you never watched The Princess Bride? And my dad was like, oh, Andre the Giant. And, and I'm like. I was thinking, like, what's the big deal? Like, And so – and I didn't realize until watching the, the whole build-up to the match, like, how big Andre is. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, the Giant is not a light 
<laughs> light word used yeah. here. Like he's huge. He's giant and I'm thinking, Frenchman. I remember because like, I was so young, I was like, "How's Hulk gonna beat this guy?" Like, <laughs> so the buildup was that you know Hulk wins the world title in '84, and the first person to celebrate with him is Andre the Giant. Yeah. They formed this friendship right over the years, and Andre was always like, even though he was a uh, you know a guy who'd never been beaten, he always was like a you know a nice guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, one uh, interview segment. Uh, <laughs> I love this. Uh, Andre wins, uh, gets a trophy for being undefeated for all this time, and then Hulk Hogan gets a bigger trophy for being world champion for three years. Yeah. <laughs> so Andre kind of takes off as Hulk in the middle of his victory speech, kind of like, "Hey, where are you going?" And then he out, out he comes with Bobby the Brain Heenan, and he's, "What are you doing with him?" And then Bobby just comes in and just does all the talking for him. He's sick oh. of this. How many times have, have, how many years have you been friends, and how many title shots has he gotten? Zero. And so he, Andre says, and that's where Bobby is. He just shines, right? And it's get you can tell he's poisoned his mind. So Andre says, I, I want you at WrestleMania, and I'm coming for your title. And the yeah. iconic rips the shirt, uh, rips the cross off, and with his fingernail, I guess he ended up cutting him, so he's bleeding down the chest. It was like the uh, the iconic speech. Yeah. And so I remember WrestleMania three. You know, like um, they both get in the ring, right? And like this almost uh ninety thousand people or something. Yeah, it was huge, right? And and this was like the, some say the uh, the climax or the uh, the eight, you know the the epitome of the uh, the golden age, right? Like things weren't gonna get better after that. And uh, Hulk and Andre are standing in the ring, and you look, and Andre's just stoic, right? He's just calm, like you know, yeah. collected, confident. And Hulk's just like shaking, just right? ready to go. And I'm thinking, as a kid, I'm like, how? How can he beat? And even he goes for the body slam within the first couple seconds. And Andre falls on top of him. Right? Yep. And and it, it, it was funny because that kind of was, uh, I don't know, the the gimmick for the match. Yeah. It's like, can quote, he slam him? Can he slam him? And the match itself, you look back at it, it's boring as fuck. Yeah, it was <laughs> not a good slow. match. I mean, Andre's not in his best shape at this point, And he was going to take some time off because he was starting to have, you know, complications. Yeah. And eventually, though, Hogan comes back and he picks him up and he hits that slam. And the energy you felt as a kid when you saw it, it's the, the whole anything can happen in WWE. Yeah, well, and, and it was you could you could almost feel the energy <laughs> through the show, through the the, the screen, yeah. the the crowd itself that was there. And talking about the epitome of the golden age, that was the uh, probably the epitome of Hulkamania at the time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like after that, it just kind of level off and eventually well, decline. Yeah, but I initial mean, run. Yeah, it, it, that that was right there. That was like the peak. That's what everyone was there for, right? And what a moment. And it's uh, you know probably the first really great WrestleMania. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and that was WrestleMania three. Yeah, three. Yeah. It's like they finally got it right. <laughs> All right, so uh, number five for number you. Number five for me, unfortunately, is a sad tale. It is the death of Owen Hart. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah. And um, again, being a family with a black box, we actually watched this. Oh, you watched Over the Edge, eh? We watched it. Uh, it was uh, May 23rd, 1999, Over the Edge. Um, and, yeah, I mean, at this point, it wasn't a great time for Owen's career. He was the uh, the Blue Beanie. Blue Blazer. Blue Blazer, sorry. <laughs> wow. Couldn't get that Ooh, right. V. Which was, uh, yeah, and I mean, I don't know. The, the, he was portrayed as, like, a buffoonish superhero. Like, did you hear the rumors of why he was being the, the Blue Blazer, though? No. So at the time he was before that he was teaming with Jarrett, and they had Deborah as their manager. Okay. And they wanted to do a storyline where Deborah was having an affair with Owen, 
and it was going to lead to the breakup of the team. Because Owen's a married man with kids, he didn't want them to see him portrayed in that kind of way. So he, he rejected the story. So okay. as a way of punishing him, they gave him back this blue blazer gimmick kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's um, the word I heard anyway. Okay. So, so yeah, it, um, my research, well, it just it kind of featured the match and really show that. But, um, yeah, so at this point, um, Owen was coming in. He was... Rep- Zip lining, repelling. Well, it was like a, like a zip line into the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, he had done this stunt before. Yeah, before the show. That's right. Yeah. They, so he had, he had practiced it, it. Yeah, they had worked it out. Um, <clears throat> the biggest thing is, I guess the harness was not comfortable. Uh, what? Yeah. For, there's various stories. One I heard was maybe he might have accidentally hit the uh, release. Yeah. And I'm uh, there's a couple of accounts that, like it says, um, like his wife was there. Um, she had kind of just said you know like oh maybe um his, his wife's name is martha um you know like shimmy yourself around and it just try and get yourself comfortable shift around and i guess as he was doing that uh the release let go mm-hmm. so um he was getting ready for it and they were uh i should check this out i'm pretty sure they, they were showing like a promo at this point and he fell yeah and um so yeah he struck the ropes and oh, went into the oh, ring. Oh, it's the turnbuckle. Yeah, so he was off. His chest oh, hit the turnbuckle, and it was shit. into the ring. That would fucking kill. <clears throat> and um, when they came back from the promo, I mean, it didn't show anything. the The cameras were trained on the crowd, and um, they, they they had said it was an accident. He's really hurt, and they kind of they kind of cut out. They went back to a promo, and it was four minutes. It was a few, it was a few minutes before they came back, and at this point, they had already carted him off, and um. It was one of those shocking ones because, like, y- again, you just you didn't know what had happened, and so they they continued on with the performance. Do you remember some of the interviews that happened right after that? Um, of that night. Yeah, like like for the they they, they interviewed I think um, the, they, I know they interviewed Deborah and Jeff because their match was coming up after that, and yeah. Jeff is actually like one of Owen's best friends, and they're both like wavering in their voice and even at the end of the promo Deborah's just like saying like we're praying for you Owen and so yeah and and, uh, like at that point they were they were really trying to pass it off as like an injury but like you're you're just not sure right and like yeah they they should there was that interview and then everyone's kind of like okay what's going on what's going on and it was later on in the broadcast Jim Ross actually said he had passed away and uh watching this as a kid you're kind of like wait what like th- it's a shock. It, it, it was uh, unbelievable. I couldn't. I couldn't even imagine what it would have been like to be there. Oh my god! It must have been horrible. He, and then like, you got to go out there and work. Like for the guys after that. Yeah, and that, and like and like you can even tell. Like I've I've watched that pay per view. They've edited it out. Like they've edited it out. Yeah. But like you watch like the matches afterwards because you know when it happened. Uh, and like 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 so like there's Billy Gunn versus Road Dog and like. Yeah. You can just tell, like, neither of no one's into their matches, and it, even the crowd, like, the crowd doesn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And it, yeah, it was one of those really rough things because I mean, um, at, at that point, Brett was already gone. Yes. So like the Montreal screw job. So I mean, that just it added more fuel to the fire there. Uh, the Hart family they came back like a month later to sue the WWF at the time, um, and then I think they ended up going after the company that made the harness. Probably. Um, I know. I know that Martha Owen's wife went for went after uh, the WWE. Yeah. And still is like, there's still like battles about like letting Owen into the Hall of Fame because like, she won't 
allow it and stuff or so yeah it, it really caused a little bit of a division there which again which is really really unfortunate and then like for me again thinking of wrestling to think of such an unfortunate event but i again it, it happens you got guys doing all these crazy death-defying stuff I was worried to see someone die in the ring, but it does happen. Um, there are a couple instances. There's a guy in Japan a couple years ago got kicked in the head wrong and died. Yes. On the uh, like, uh, was Rey Mysterio in the match? No, 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 no. Maybe miss, maybe That'd be crazy. Mistaken. It was it was some kind of lucha guy though, I think. Yep. So that's my uh, my number five for that one. What do you got for yours, Dice? My number five. Shawn Michaels turns on Marty Jannetty in the barbershop from. Nice. Uh-huh. See, when I started watching wrestling, was right when this happened. And Sean was the heel, the sexy boy, heartbreak kid, right? Yep. And at the time, you know, you, you didn't see, like, these – you know, you see teams break up, but you don't really see, like, the big turns. The turns weren't that common back then. I no. Think. Teams just kind of split up and went their own way, right? Yeah. Most of the time. So, you know, so maybe the most famous uh, thing Beefcake ever did <laughs> was always the segment. Yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the ones you see the most of. So, yeah, he had his own talk segment, kind of like Piper's Pit, the barbershop. And at the time, the Rockers, who had been around for a couple of years here, you know, were having problems at the time. And so Beefcake brings him out, and he even brings up, he goes, in the WWF magazine, it talks about you guys having problems. And, you know, Sean's sitting there, and he's kind of looking cocky, right? Kind of? Yeah. That was swagger weird. to him. And, and Sean just goes, let me just chime in here, uh, Beefcake. He goes, as the captain of this team, let me assure you that – let me assure the people that there is no issues at the Rockers. Yeah, right. And then Marty's immediately like, whoa, 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 hold on. Come on, Sean. Everyone knows there's friction and that there's never been a captain. We did everything together. And Marty brings up that they had a TV match and recently, and Jannetty went for the tag, and Sean was off flirting with a fan, kind of hinting at the person he was going to become. Yeah, really. <laughs> and he says <laughs> – Marty doesn't know what's going on in Sean's head. But Marty apologizes, and Marty says, listen, he's going to turn his back. And if he wants to leave, it will be the end, and that'll be it. But if he doesn't, we'll shake hands and go on being the rockers and rock and rolling and strutting and strolling. And and Sean yanks him around, stares at him, and then kind of goes, all right, okay, 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 come on, calm down. And they shake hands, and they, they raise each other's hands, and you think it's great. And yep. then Sean does it, hits him with the sweet chin music when he's not looking. And I love his Bobby he goes, oh, I knew that was going to happen. And the girl's like, no, you didn't. Classic Bobby. Right? And Sean picks him up by the hair, trash talks him, yep. and then the iconic moment when he takes him and he throws him through the window of the barber shop. And the thing I always remember is Heenan going, Jeanette tried to jump through the window just to escape. What an act of cowardice. <laughs> he could spin anything. Oh, Heenan's the best for that. And I, and I remember seeing that as a kid and asking, I was a huge Rockers fan. Right, so it probably just shocked the hell out of Oh, here, right? I couldn't believe it. it. It was memorable, and it immediately set Sean as a major heel. and, and A, a major t- player. And, and whenever you talk about tag team breakup, everyone always asks, who's going to be the Michaels and who's going to be the Gennetti? Because Sean went on to be the bi- big, uh, one of the biggest stars in wrestling, yeah. and Marty faded off. Yeah, did not, never yeah. could. Who shit on the coach? Capture that. <laughs> <laughs> and fade into the oh, back. Oh man, yeah, but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, that that was that's a great one. And I yeah, I remember watching that as a kid. Love the Rockers, and I was like, what? Then I was, oh, I always remember thinking, Michaels can't make it on his own. Oh man, man, did I ever get that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I said Triple H isn't gonna last a week, man. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, who's wrong there, right? So that's my number five. Alrighty, so my number four, it's another, uh, it's actually a much more modern, current one. Mm-hmm. Well, not super, eh, current enough, whatever. <laughs> um, it's Cena and Orton in the handcuff match at Breaking Point. Oh, the I Quit match. The I Quit match. Oh, man. September 13, 2009 for the championship. And um, the biggest uh, point I want to make right away is Darcy hated Orton so much at this point. And I think it was – This is Legacy Orton. Th- yes. Baby it was Oil Boy Club Orton. The baby – yeah, the baby boy oil club. And um, – That's because everyone was interfering in his matches and he was cheating to win. Yeah, he was cheating to win. It was uh, DiBiase and Cody, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, – yeah, I mean, <laughs> couldn't catch a break. Um, he kind of went face. It was slow, slightly after this, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't it? too long. I mean, and then you had your shirt. <laughs> fucking hate you, man. <laughs> you Whatever, man. You I like who I like. You couldn't wait to get on that baby boil. The baby boil. <laughs> baby oil, boil? The baby boil train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Hopping on that rail cart full of jerkins. Well, what's funny is uh, I'm going to bring up a video I think you posted after this, but just continue your story. Okay, I'll so, yeah, it was it um, uh, it was a great match. This was one of the ones we used to go to Darcy's to watch at this point. Darcy was ordering the uh, pay-per-views. Every month, yeah. Every month. Such so. a great time in my life, man. All my friends were – because it was always like, okay, I'm like, what are you doing Sunday, Darcy? Oh, I'm watching wrestling. Like, like no matter what you guys wanted to do on a Sunday in the summer, I'm like, look, fuck off, guys, all right? I'm yeah. doing my own thing. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, slowly everyone started coming over. It was like, finally – I have my friends and my favorite <laughs> pastime. Yes. And just stacks of beer and <laughs> fireball. Oh, God. <laughs> God, fireball. Go on. So, um, yeah, it was literally like in and out, in and out. Um, Orton had Cena through the desk, back in the ring, trying to get the RKO onto a steel chair, I think it was. Um, I, I, I literally got a play-by-play. Uh, they have the mic. Uh, I think Cena starts hitting him with the mic. Oh yeah. <laughs> when he they like they, they finally kind of swing it back over. Uh, Orton gets a Singapore cane. Is he handcuffed to the corner? Yes. Oh. Gets gets him handcuffed to the corner. Uh, Singapore cane just chokes oh. him with it, beats him with it. Still doesn't want to say I quit. Uh, goes after the chair. Um. Orton. Let's see. He gets – yeah, it was one arm handcuffed to the bottom rope. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, Cena managed to give him a one-armed attitude adjustment. <laughs> I, I really want to watch that again. <laughs> so, yeah, drags Orton inside of the ring. Did you get the iconic um, – the- Oh, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, so Orton's just beating on Cena, and everyone's waiting for Cena. You got to get that win. You got to get that win. He gets the, the ultimate warrior win. <laughs> and just like flexes, and he's shaking, and his veins had veins. And Orton's trying to get away from him. And Orton's trying to get away from him. And I mean, this guy's handcuffed down. Orton's trying to get away from and him. And Cena's just <laughs> like holding this position, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah, he gets the one-armed attitude adjustment on him. Uh, he got the key. The key was around Orton's neck. Takes, <laughs> takes the key, uh, handcuffs himself to Orton. Drags oh, that's him, what I was picturing. Yeah. Yeah. Drags him inside the ring, and. Um, Let's see. Orton tr- Orton does hit the RKO. Let's see. Goes for the other. Da, 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 da. Oh, does he go for the plunder? C- Cena gets the STF. By, but he uses Orton's arm. But he uses yeah. He tugs Orton's arm around his own throat. So he's choking with his own arm. Yes. And so with that, 
Orton finally said the word I quit. He said it a couple times. Yeah. So, yeah, he says it a couple times. Now, what makes me laugh be about that is you sent me this video on Facebook one time. I was at work. I was like, it was a notification. Oh, V sent you a video. And it was just like, this. and the, the, your caption of the video was, hey, it's the anniversary of this one. I just thought you wanted to see because you know I was yeah. a Norton fan. And it was just repeat of, I quit. I quit. I quit. I quit. And it was just kept repeating. Just over and, and over again. And I was again. just staring at it like, fuck you, man. <laughs> it, was, it was a good one. And I, I think so much of it mattered about this match. It's because, like Dar said, it was the legacy time. And Orton, he was almost getting the cheap win, man. Orton had been putting over Cena for like a year and a half. <laughs> and every it's like, man, we got to watch these two fight again. But by the end of that feud, four pay-per-views in that run. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, I don't care about this feud anymore. No, and that's thing. And that I quit match, it was like the the perfect end to it. Because, like. That wasn't the end of the feud. But, <laughs> no, and it still wasn't the end of the feud, unfortunately. We got the Hell in the Cell. And then we got an Iron Man match. I forgot about the Iron Man match. That's right. Oh, went on forever. And then they still feuded like every once in a while. Yeah, after that, like a raw match. Yeah, I'm, but that's thing again. They were like the big hitters, right? The pillars at that point. For sure. Okay, and that was that one. And I'm excited about my number four V because when I mentioned it to you, you know, you never even seen it. And it was in '96. It was the I call it the Pillman's Got a Gun segment. Yeah. So. This is great. Like you said, you mentioned earlier the Austin interview. Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. And, you know, history says that's Austin's taking off point. But if you watch the next couple months after that, he's kind of just spinning his wheels. He's getting wins. He's winning consistently. Yep. But he's not in any feuds. He hasn't gotten that defining feud, right? And then they come up with the idea that he's going to fight Brett in his return match at the Survivor Series. But they got two months to build for this thing. And Brian Pillman had came to the company in June, uh, and he had broken his ankle before when he signed, like before he signed. So yeah, in that car accident, so he wasn't wrestling. So they kind of had him as an announcer, and so they kind of had him coming out saying like teasing that he'd been talking to Brett and that he's gonna get him to come back. And him and Austin were you know kind of making fun of Brett and stuff like that. And you know because they have their history being the Hollywood Blondes and tag team, right? Yeah. And Pillman keeps saying that he's Austin's best friend, so. The problem is, was it's getting closer to the, the Austin Brett match. Pillman's getting more and more excited that Brett's coming back, and it's pissing Austin off. So like when Brett came out and g- gave his interview saying that he was staying with WWE and yep. that he would fight Austin, if you watch the segment, Austin's in the back watching it on TV, and Pillman's behind him, and Pillman's going, "Yes!" And Austin's <laughs> kind of like, "You shut the hell up!" So they do an interview on superstars, and. Um, what does he say? Um, yeah, Austin's just mad how excited he got, and then after Brett made his announcement, Pillman went out and shook his hand. He goes, now that Brett's coming back, you're kissing his ass? And, anyways, at the end of the interview, Austin's about to walk away. He's getting really pissed off. Yeah. Because no one's taking him seriously. (coughs) He's walking away. Pillman says, and there you have it, at Survivor Series, it's going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the best there is, the best there was. <laughs> and before he even finishes, Austin just lays him out because that was what did it in, yeah. right? He's We're putting Brett over, right? So he starts pounding on him, and he takes Pillman's cane, and he smokes him in the injured ankle. Yeah. And the whole reason for this was that Pillman's ankle wasn't healing right, and he had to get another surgery. So they needed him to kind of disappear for a while. Yeah. So this is kind of their way of, oh, shit. Sorry, I made a sw- I made a sw- I made a swinging motion. And I hit the table, uh, taking him out. That's just really getting into it. So 
a week later they have uh, like the challenge of this whole Austin Brett thing, if I can say, for Survivor Series was that Brett was rarely there. Right? Yeah. He did that interview, and he wasn't there in person. Yeah, he just kind of disappeared after so that. So when you have moments like that where like someone's coming back from injury and you want to keep him off till the pay per view, it's all up to the one person, the other person in the feud to build it on his own, right? So they're trying to figure out ways to do this. So they had an interview, a TV interview, where you got Brett and, and his home, and you had Steve Austin in Stanford, who had to go fly to Stanford, Connecticut headquarters to do the interview. Yeah. And so Vince is kind of mediating the interview, and he's like, this is, this is bull crap. Why, am I, why do I have to fly out here where you go to right to Brett's home for an interview, and i got to come here to Stanford, Connecticut to do this? And they were saying – well, well, next week and – and they talk about Brian Pillman being injured, right? And he's like, well, next week we're going to Brian Pillman's home <laughs> to interview him. And he goes, you're going to Brian Pillman's home. You're going to that crippled pe- ass – you know, <laughs> that crippled ass's house? He goes, well, you know what? Maybe I'll fly out to Cincinnati, Ohio next week, and I'll make a visit to Brian Pillman. So sure enough, a week later, Austin's on his way yep. over there. And so um, – let's see. So um, – Pillman's in his house, you know, he's got his wife there with him, and he's just looking, like, real tense, right? And Kevin Kelly's interviewing him, and Vince is even talking to him from uh, the broadcast table, right? Yep. And he's just like, you know, Brian, do you feel like – he's got his big cast on his foot, which is legit from the surgery he had. And it's like, are you uh, are you concerned, you know, that Steve Austin's coming to your house? Do you feel vulnerable in your own house? And uh, so uh, – then the, uh, this is the most iconic line of the promo, man. I'll never forget this. I was 11 years old watching this. I'd never seen anything like this. And he, Pillman just says, Austin is a dead man walking. Because when Austin 316 meets Pillman's 9mm glot and he pulls the gun <laughs> out and he fucking loads it. He's like, uh, he goes, I'm going to blast him straight to hell. And, and Vince is like, no, no. And it, goes to, and it goes to commercial break. And I'm thinking like, Holy – like, I was 11 years old. I didn't think this language. But now I'm like, holy fucking shit. Well, I always thought it was funny too because, like, um, like Pillman stays with, like, the Hart Foundation that, for that quite a while. That. But he, but he, he kind of really stuck around after that, right? Yeah. Which I always thought was weird because, I mean, he was – I don't know, the more shady character of well, that that's bunch. What I mean. That's what made it funny. But, you know, he actually has a connection. He used to do Stampede Wrestling that was run by Stu, which yeah. I didn't know about. So at the time, I always thought it was really random that he was part of that group. Like, the whole thing was they both hate Austin. But yeah. I didn't see that coming. So, anyways, so Austin shows up at the house, and the Pillman had some of his buddies guarding the house. And Austin beats the shit out of his friends. And, dude, this is awesome. He throws one in a kiddie pool and holds his head down. <laughs> he takes another one, puts his head in a car door, and squeezes it. He throws a little red wagon at another guy. Nice. That's Austin. Yeah, and he just grabs a beer and goes, don't test me, son. Don't test me. And so he goes around the – goes to the front door, can't get in, and he goes around to the side. And the best is so Pillman's in the side of his house, and the door's around a corner. So you can see Pillman sitting there aiming his gun, and Kevin Kelly's beside him going, oh, my God, Vince. Vince, this is bad. This is really bad. And you can hear uh, the camera goes towards around the corner where the door is, and Austin is smashing the window into the door. He opens the door, walks in, being all, you know, strutting in, and he comes around the corner, and he goes, you know, just jumps, and it yeah. zooms in on Pillman's maniac face holding the gun, and then the feed just cuts out. And you're <laughs> left thinking, what the fuck happened? And then, you know, eventually it goes, you get word that, you know, Austin fled. There were a couple gunshots, and Austin yeah. fled and didn't get hit. And But at the time, man, 11 years old, like – 
holy shit. And well, they they really took that dark. It was the first probably like attitude angle I can think of, and it show it was the right move because you know at this point. Nitro had been losing, or Raw had been losing to Nitro yeah. since June, and this was the first time since they lost the ratings that they tied. They almost tied. Yeah, they, so. re- they really got the steam back. Oh, man, you tell me you're not going to want to turn to that? You got a gun! <laughs> and so it was just like sh- pure shock value. It always sticks yeah. out in my mind. <coughs> All right, V, number three. All right, number three. Get ready to chime in. Hollywood Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. All right, it's your take, brother. Okay, so it was Bash at the Beach, 96. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Hogan was the mystery partner for the Outsiders. The day that will live in infamy. Yeah, so um, the Outsiders, Hall and Nash. Uh, it was versus Sting, Macho Man, and Lex Luger. Yep. So when Hall, Hall and Mash, Hall and Mash. <laughs> wow. Hall and Oates. Because <laughs> your kiss, your kiss is on my list. Okay, so Nash and Hall came in. And um, at this point, they came into the WCW, and it's like they were the outsiders. Yeah. Because it was two guys coming from the They w- made it seem like they were sent over as, from the WWE yeah. to infiltrate. W- which, is, which is funny because, like, they come in being, like, ultimate evil, ultimate heels. And um, so, yeah, they were attacking everybody, going after everybody. And then it was finally kind of like, okay, well, we'll set up a, a – we'll, Yeah, we'll get three guys to fight you and your mystery partner. Yeah. And um, at that point, it's kind of like, okay, well, we want to know who it is. And it would end up being like a ran- random, quote-unquote, drawing, which Sting. Uh, oh, like for the three guys that would fight him. Yeah. Did they do random drawing? There's uh, no way that's random. You know what you're drawing those three caliber athletes. I, I know, right? For, yeah. For a random drawing. So then, um, yeah, they came out alone for the match started. <laughs> also, what a stupid thing to do. If you want someone representing your company, you're going to pick three random guys. I, I think that was their stipulation. Oh, the, the outsiders? The outsiders. Oh. And that's the thing. And then Typical. it's kind of like, okay, well, tell us who your third guy is. And it's like, no. Like, they just yeah. – they, they had all the control, right? And the, the rumors, V. The rumors. Did you hear some of the rumors that they had? No. Tell me. Well, the the one that I heard about, and it actually makes a lot of sense, uh, was Bret Hart. Yes. Because Bret had, was on a big break from WWE, yep. and his contract status was unknown. Can you imagine? Who, more, who has more WWE colors than Bret Hart? Yeah. At that point. Yeah. And uh, oh, hit the mic, sorry. Again, I know, shit. Um, <laughs> we should have beers. Uh, Bischoff has said in an interview that he wanted to be Hogan, but if it wasn't going to be Hogan, it was going to be Sting, because you'd never see it coming. Yes. And it would, I, it wouldn't have had the same impact, but I think it would have had a decent shock value, because I mean, who was more WCW than Sting? Yeah. Right. St- st- like that thing, yeah. Sting was WCW. So um. I'm going to get you to get two more beers. So, yeah, the match comes out. A um, lot of back and forth. You can drink whatever you'd like, buddy. Uh, yeah. Two oh, beers. Did you, did you want anything, Darius? <laughs> exactly, right? Um, so, Luger gets injured, and he gets taken backstage. So, then at this point, it's technically like a two-on-two match, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, the Outsiders are still going underhanded tactics. They had the guys down in the ring. Um, I think they ended up getting um, – uh, what happens? They get Macho Man down, and at this point, you think the match is turning. Everyone's like getting really worked up. Hogan comes running down. Day saved. Everyone's losing their shit. Here comes Hogan well, for the save. Everyone except for Bobby Heenan. Yes. He goes, that's the third man! And it was almost like a Gorilla Monsoon. Will you stop it? Yeah. Like, and even, no one's believing that. Nobody's believing it. The crowd is going nuts. 
You know, they, they think Hogan's here. He's coming here to save the day. He's yeah. here to save the day. I mean, it's it's his boy. It's uh, the Macho Man, right? Right. And then two atomic leg drops. Right. And you could probably hear, like, the colla- like the whole gasp out of the crowd. <laughs> it, it, you know, even, again, watching this, watching it on TV live, it was like a vacuum. It just, like, sucked the air out of the room. Everyone was like, what the fuck? And, like, yeah, it does the leg drops, arms go up. Boom, the NWO, or yeah. or the Wolf Pack is born. No, it's just the NWO. Just the NWO. Yeah. And um, as a kid, I again same thing as you. H- Hogan was legendary. He was hero. Yeah. And to see such an epic heel turn, you're just kind of like, it, what? It's no. amazing. It made me made, made you be like, I want to watch what happens now. Well, like, it was honestly, it was like anti Christmas because you, you know when you have Christmas and you're so excited and you get to open all your presents and you're like, I got all this wonderful shit. And then the day after Christmas, you wake up thinking like, oh, man, did that happen? Did I actually get all this awesome stuff? <laughs> and then you come down and there's your, like, your new Sega Genesis, right? This is like the anti that. Like, <laughs> waking up the next day, I'm like, oh. Hogan's a bad guy? Fuck. Yeah, the like, world doesn't make sense anymore. No, it, 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 was, right? just, it was crushing. It shatters your world. But you know what's great? Who better to interview him? Immediately on his heel turn, then the person that's been with him his whole career, Mean Gene Okerlund. Mean Gene, exactly. Are you kidding me? And and what I love how Hogan immediately starts it. Something you'd never thought you'd hear him say. Tell these people to shut up. I got something to say. Yeah. And you're like, wow. And trash is immediately just flying into the <laughs> ring. Like, I, I, geez, I would have been scared if I was Nash or Hollow. Jesus Christ. I'd be and scared if I was Mean Gene. He he immediately talks about, you know, these guys came from a company up north. Who knows that organization better than me? And almost made it seem like Hogan had been down there on purpose two years sent by Vince. Yeah. Right? And he talks about how he became bigger than that organization. And then he talks about – he comes down to WCW and he goes – and he did the charities and he you know shook all the hands. He goes – and the reception he got when he went down there because it's true. He went to WCW and he wasn't well-received, man. No, he wasn't, and which, which was really kind of awkward. You know why, though? Because they put him with Flair. No one's gonna boo Flair in WCW, no. man. Like so, yeah. And so it, I, it was the right decision at the right time, and ch- you know gave WCW success for about a year and a like a couple years there. Yeah, the NWO it, was the big thing. And and again, that like my parents shifted. We we were watching Nitro every Monday instead of Raw. And the, how amazing is it that he went from being biggest baby face in the world to biggest heel? The, the, like the, how hard is the that? The most hated and he did man it so in wrestling. Well. Yeah, it was amazing. Him coming out, and it's um like Hendrix is playing. He's strumming his stupid belt. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love the belt strum, man. The air guitar. It's it just it made you hate him all oh. more, right? And when they spray painted the NWO on it, oh yeah, you can't you can't wait for someone to wipe that thing off, right? Yeah, it was something else. Oh, and that was my number three. Number. Any, three. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I think uh, just again, just crushed your heart. My number three, I'm already gonna skip it because I know it's your number one. Okay. Oh, oh, we already know that, do we? So I'm gonna leave that one for now. Vic, tell me your number three. We just have my number three. Oh, so gonna, number gonna, two. I'm gonna tell you my me. number two. So my number two. I want to hear your three again. I know. <laughs> we should talk about it again. My number two. Uh, I I really got nothing for it, but again, it was the, it was the uh, precursor to the TLC match. But it was uh, Razor Ramon and Shawn Michael for the Intercontinental in the Belt match. Yes. WrestleMania 10. Oh, um, man, buddy. This 
was something I never expected to happen. Uh, at like 94, so I'm 12, 13 myself mm-hmm. at this point. And these guys are running a ladder match, and it's like, man, ladder matches are so weird. And at this point, like they get the new style ladders built out of the 2x4s, a little lighter. <coughs> and these guys pulled off, at this point, the most insane, high-flying, creative mat. Dude, you got to learn how to pour a beer. No, I'm sorry. I was so focused on the story. I wasn't paying attention I, I, to my pour. Because <laughs> I'm, like, I'm all looking at you like, you got like six, eyes are on you. You got like six pouring. inches ahead there. No, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a like mind-blowing match to see what – and even Ramon. Like Ramon's a big guy, and him pulling off this stuff. And uh, and then and, and in the end, pulling off the win. Right. And I, I mean, and, and I was, it was an intercontinental match. And that, um, I'm trying to think what was, what else was on that bill. And it was, everything was totally overshadowed by that. That was like, that's true. The only other good match I think of note would be Brett and Owen. Yeah. And that's thing that this came like right around the middle of the bill. And like, it just, just blew everything out of the water. Oh man, for sure. Uh, and it's funny, uh, at that point, like I'd seen Sean and the rockers on VHS, right. Kind of missed that whole run. Uh, but like I said, I grew up with the Shawn Michaels, the sexy boy yeah. gimmick, right? And I could never see that being that character being a face. And it wasn't until that WrestleMania 10 match, because it was the whole, you don't have to like him, but you gotta respect Shawn Michaels for the effort he's putting in. That's where I was like, yeah, the first like a light bulb where I went, this guy can become a face <coughs> at some point. Oh, sorry. And then uh, putting him against Razor Ramon. Oh man, it's easily Scott Hall's best match. Yeah, easily the greatest. And thing I, ever again, did his just like I couldn't believe the stuff they were pulling off. Actually, I'd say it was probably his climax. Sadly, no, it never got better after no, that. No, never really did. But solid, solid match. Um, you never saw anything like that, and like there, there was one other ladder match they had before that, but it was untelevised. Yep. It was Sean and Brett actually. And, Ooh, uh, I would like back to see that. when before Sean fresh on the sexy boy gimmick. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, it was a solid, solid match and, uh, you know, definitely changed the course of WWE, right? Well, yeah, and you uh, think about like, what happened. You didn't really see anything like that again for almost – Yeah, it was a rare rarity. Almost 10 years. But uh, and, and, again, it took guys who were inspired by this match, your Hardy Boys, your Edge oh, Christian, yeah. to, to like, okay, we got to do that and then take it to the next level, which was my earlier one, the TLC match. But, I mean, like just watching this as a kid, I was just mind-blown. I was – Big sparkly eyes just glued to the TV. It's a good choice for the number two, man. Yeah. Oh, solid. It solid. O- always pops in my head. What do you got? Number two. Oh, God, my notes went back up. Hold on. Oh, number two. This is going to be a fun one. All right. Stone Cold Steve Austin attacks Booker T in a grocery store. <laughs> oh, my God. The, this may be the most entertaining thing I've ever seen in my life, and the fact that it happened on a SmackDown is just hilarious yeah. to me. I, and I, think, I, I remember watching it, and I was like, oh, that was a pretty good gimmick. And then it wasn't until, like, years later when you had to bring it up so we could watch it again. And I was kind of like, man, this is gold. It is Even watching it now as I'm taking the notes, I'm just like, I'm so enjoying this. <laughs> like, I'm like, so let's let's talk about it. So the build-up to this was uh, they just recently had a pay-per-view before this where they were deciding – they were unifying both world titles. And Austin was in the finals with Jericho. And Booker T – they just did the WCW angle to like uh, invasion, right? And yeah. WWE won, and Booker T lost his job because of it because he's on WCW, right? 
and he blamed Stone Cold Steve Austin. So he interfered in this match, costing Austin the title. And he was in cahoots with Vince, oddly enough, because Vince hated Austin as soon as the thing yeah, ended. Yeah, anything against Austin, Vince was on board. Yeah. So uh, it's a SmackDown. Vince and Booker are in a skybox enjoying you know, food and stuff. And Austin, I'm not sure if he was just like a policeman or a fireman. Like, this I can't remember. But he, he sneaks in there and chases Booker T out of the yeah. stadium. They get in a car chase. And Booker calls Vince from his cell phone. He goes, Vince, Vince. He's like, yeah, listen, I'm hiding out. I've lost. I've ducked Austin. I'm in the Green Frog grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, the name, right? Even Vince calls the Green Frog. And so the best is at this time there were co-owners. It was Vince and it was Ric Flair. Oh, wow. Co-owners. And Flair sitting next to Vince, and he goes, oh, I got a phone call, Vince. He goes, oh, yeah, who are you talking to? Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he hands him the phone, and Vince is like – he does that big gulp Vince does. Yeah. And it's like, hey, Vince, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's like – so and he goes, guess where I am? I'm parked outside the Green Frog grocery store. Someone's going to get their ass kicked. And he hangs up the phone. And so it goes to commercial, and it comes back, and you've got Booker standing in the, the cereal aisle. Oh he, man! He rips open the cereal and starts eating it out of the box. He's yep. looking around, right? He's like, "Oh, this is good." And I'm like, "Silly rabbit or silly Booker, tricks are for kids." And over the intercom, all of a sudden you hear, uh, "Attention shoppers, cans of whoop ass on aisle two. And so Booker's like immediately looking around, frantic. And all of a sudden, a bald man just walks right by the aisle. Booker's like, but he doesn't see him. So Booker kind of sneaks out and he smokes this guy from behind. And when he's turned, he's like, yeah, now what? And the guy turns around, and it's just a random bald guy. It should have been Will Sasso. <laughs> that was perfect. Oh, my God. So, and meanwhile, standing right behind him is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he opens a beer, and Booker just freezes, slowly turns around, and then Austin just pounces on him and yeah. starts just whipping his ass through this entire grocery store. And he throws a bunch of fruit on him puts him in a fruit stand you know a fruit stand yeah. oranges are flying everywhere he pulls a thing of mustard off and goes hey booker you want some great poupon <laughs> sprays him with that and he's like no no he takes a big basket of nug of uh nuts and just dumps them on him what, what, uh, what i want to know is what what they must have had to pay this guy oh the store they must have paid a bunch because yeah. they just tore it and, and that's the thing this guy must have been like such a huge wrestling fan to be like yeah fuck, come in just just trash oh, the place. let's go great they end up going in the storage room, and <laughs> I, this is my favorite part. Well, not my favorite part, but one of them. Austin picks up a box of crackers and goes, hey, Booker, you want some crackers? And <laughs> the racism was too much because Booker got his only offense in. He kicks Austin in the yeah. face, and he throws him into the freezer, the walk-in freezer, and locks the door. And Booker's like, oh, God. Oh, God. But immediately, Austin comes out through the front window of one of the, the freezers with a jug of milk. <laughs> chugs the milk down. Like, oh, thanks, book got milk. Smokes him with the jug. And then takes him, he starts wiping him with diapers while he's got him on a cart, and Booker's just going, no, no. And the part that pisses me off of me is they cut this scene out. At one point, Austin picks up a giant pepperoni, a giant stick of pepperoni, and starts singing, when oh, yeah. the moon hits your eye. And of course, it's Austin, so he can't fucking sing, right? Then smokes him with the pepperoni. It was priceless. Why do you think they would have cut that out? <coughs> I really don't know. Do you think it might have been like a copyright thing? or Maybe it just got cut short. I don't know. Oh, hard to say. But And then he takes him to the front, rings him through, goes, price check on jackass, <laughs> and walks out. 
And Booker's laying there, covered in all the foods. Oh, man. And he's going, oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get <laughs> he's you. He's crying. <laughs> I'm going to get you. And, dude, <laughs> one of the funniest segments I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, Fucking fantastic. It was so good because, like, I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, that was good. And then you bringing it back to me later, I was like, okay, that was good. That was really good. And, like, I bet you Booker T, to this day, still gets – someone brings that up to him. I guarantee uh, you. Has to be. Um. I do want to say, though, Booker T, Harlem Heat, great tag team. Oh, my God, yes. I st- you know what? Even though they got, like, ten tag title runs, don't let me come to do as a team. Yeah. Well, I, uh, WCW, I don't know. Like, they they handled tag a little differently, but they had great team. There was those guys. There was the Steiners. Like, they were, but, I, you know, I think, I think the NWO ruined Harlem Heat. Yeah, they came in and it was all about the outsiders, and I, I think that's what did them in. Yeah, the, but that's another story. Yeah, no momentum. But I just wanted to say, fantastic. Now, V, your number one, which uh, I saved, which is my number three. Yep, and uh, we talked about it last week uh, around prior cast. Yeah, yeah, and it's the Taker Mankind Hell in a Cell. How could it not be? Yeah, from the King of the Ring, June twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight, where Mankind or Mick Foley just was murdered by the Undertaker. <laughs> uh, well, you you can't assisted suicide. She, you can't right? even call it murder because he just kept getting up, and Taker was like, "Ugh." I mean, again, he went off the cell through the table, went he, through the cell. Yeah, he climbed back up and went through, put the tacks down, got put on the tacks, and then the iconic image of uh, the tooth through the nose. The tooth through the nose. I mean, like, how many times did they play that bit? Like he just kept getting up and he kept coming back and I and again like, that's the one, that easily my number one. You think of wrestling wa- again, watching this as a kid, your your <coughs> your mind your mind pops. It's during the most popular time in wrestling. During the most popular time in wrestling, you just you can't believe what you saw and, um, again like we talked about last week, seeing it now as an adult, I was absolutely horrified. Like he went. Off the cell through the table, and they had these huge CRT monitors. It had the like steel casing to them. His head missed it by inches. Like you're just oh my god, watching them get on top of the cell, and the cell itself was held together by plastic zip ties, and the zip ties were literally popping and shooting off. Like it was not designed for any of that stuff. But as a kid, like it was it was legendary. It was two gods just taking each other apart and getting back up. And I, I think that's easily what Mankind was trying to get across. Undertaker was probably just like, stay down. I need to pin you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Just like, come on, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. and we, I mean, we talked about it. Everything. Everybody was so worried. People were freaking out. I mean, Vince oh got out God. there. Terry Funk got out there. You mind what his family was thinking? Who, Mix? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I don't even want to know. No. He it, probably got so much shit from his wife. His wife probably beat his ass black and blue even worse. Broke his other arm. You weren't dead. I'll kill you myself. Like, jeez. Oh. Yeah. Is there uh, anything else you want to add to that one? I mean, we've covered it pretty yeah. extensively on the other other uh, podcast from last week, but. Um, I just I would say that even the most cynical person against wrestling, like they say, you know, wrestling's fake, would watch that and probably have to, I'd imagine, be like, oh, that's he's hurt. Yeah. I I, I mean, um, talking to people at work about me doing this podcast. Um, you always get you always get that smartass. You know wrestling's fake, right? Yep. And I'd be like, you know I what? Hate that guy. I, all I said is like, I want to see you get in that ring, 
and do one eighth of what these guys can do. Right? Yeah. He was just hard on the body, man. Oh, no way. And especially this guy at work, he's a skinny little guy. He would kill himself. Oh my god, he would break his back, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and that's uh, that's my number one. That's easily when I think of wrestling, that match is one of the first things I think of. Got it. Yeah. What's your stars? Number one. Number one is my earliest memory of wrestling, V. Oh. Earliest memory. I want you to picture a six-year-old boy. Backyard in, wrestling. In late '91, with a popsicle, just sitting on his couch. <coughs> And he's sitting next to his dad. Did you have frosted Bert. tips at this point? <laughs> sitting there, so I'm sick, so I probably got my mullet that my mom made me have or something. Rat tail? Know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. My mother was just a real lovely, great woman for that. Uh, you know what? And that was a staple growing up. When I, was, I never I, – I had perfect. You had no hair. control over your hair as a kid. I, I had the Beatles haircut. <laughs> Un- the bowl? Yeah. Until – like the seventh or eighth grade. Did I meet? Oh wow, jeez. That was bad. Oh man. So yeah. So here I am with a popsicle, sitting with my dad, <laughs> watching wrestling. At the time, my dad was the fan. I wasn't even a fan, but I didn't know who Hulk Hogan was. Yeah, and knew everybody who, knew Hulk. I knew who another wrestler was in this in this moment. So I'm sitting there, and I'm watching. I'm watching this man in the ring, and he's talking, and I'm like, "Who's this guy? He's got a big mustache." My dad goes, "Oh, it's Jake the Snake Roberts, son." Mm-hmm. And Jake the Snake, he's uh. He's talking to a man who's sitting at the broadcast table. He's kind of egging him on. And I go, I know that dude. He's wearing his cowboy hat and his sunglasses. That's the macho man Randy <laughs> Savage. And he's egging him on. See, apparently at the time, Randy had lost a career-ending match to the Ultimate Warrior. So he couldn't wrestle. And he was now on the broadcast table. But at the time, got married to Elizabeth. And during the wedding... Opens, they open their wedding presents, and a cobra pops out, yep. scaring the crap out of Liz. Undertaker and Jake come out and beat the crap out of Savage. So the feud's on. Now, Savage at this point has been trying to petition to get it reinstated. He's even got it written on his shirt, Reinstate Savage. Yeah. Right? And Jake immediately calls, you know, wins his match, and he immediately grabs the mic, and he starts egging it on Savage. And he's like, he says that he, uh, he used to look up to him. He mentions that he used to, you know, former Intercontinental Champion, mm-hmm. former World Champion. He said, at one point, I almost wanted to be you. And then he said, though, but now you've gotten soft. And he said that he used to be a real man, but now he hides behind a woman. And Savage takes off his headset, and the crowd pops. <laughs> and he starts heading towards the ring. And he's about to get in there, but he's not a superstar anymore, right? He's not reinstated, so a ref tries to grab his leg, and that's all it takes. Jake immediately attacks him. And ties him in the ropes. Yeah. And then he opens his bag, and out comes the cobra. And I'm watching this as a six-year-old, and the fans are all getting nervous, right? Well, especially the cobra hits, and, like, it gets erect right away, right? Well, here's where it gets funny. Let me tell you this. How ironic that I'm taking notes about this. I'm at work a couple weeks before we decided to do this, right? And I knew I had this as my number one. Yeah. And I'm just on YouTube, just watching a random wrestling thing. And in my recommended videos – Jake the Snake on Joe Rogan's podcast. Ooh. And he's talking about this segment. Really? And so it's great is they decided they were going to do the snake bite, right? And Randy came up to him in the back and he went – and Jake, by the way, does a great Randy impression. He's like, so uh, you're going to do the thing today, right? Yeah, I'm going to do the, do the thing. Do it up. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been briefed on what's going to happen. He goes, yeah. So uh, Jake, tell me uh, – has the snake been uh, fixed? <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? Has it been devenomized? Yeah, yeah. Is it fixed? And he goes, 
Yeah, yeah, of course, man. He's been to Venom. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, well, uh, yeah, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to need to... I'm gonna need to see the snake bite you. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, Yeah, uh, I just told you it's fixed. And he goes, Yeah, I'm not, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But we're gonna sit here and we're gonna find out. And it just whole, talks about the whole paranoia oh, man. of this man, right? So Jake's like, Are you fucking kidding me? So Jake pulls out the snake and he's looking at him, kind of like waiting for him to kind of like, like you fucking ribbing me. And he's dead serious, deadpan, right? Oh so man, fucking gets at the snake to bite him. And no. And he's like, oh, you know, fuck, snake bites himself. Now Jake's fucking pissed. He is red hot, right? So when he's telling the interview, he's like, if you watch the segment, while J- Randy's tied in the rope and he pulls the snake out, Jake slaps the shit out of that snake three or four times. <laughs> Get so it really riled up. Now the snake's completely fucking erect, and it's about to bite anything. I didn't have to. As soon as I brought it over, just clamps on Randy's arm. And like, oh, man. Dude, I'm telling you, you look at the people in the crowd, the horrific look. And, man, I'm like, oh, my God, Dad, no. Oh, my God, the snake's <laughs> biting Randy. Oh, my God. And and Vince on the broadcast table, oh, my God, is selling this thing. Like, oh, no, no, there's venom coursing through his veins. Oh, my yeah. God. And I'm like, Dad, he's poisoning him. Yeah. And my mom happens to walk. Of course, my mother's walking by at this point. Bert, Bert, what are you doing making a monster? The boy's got to learn. He's got to be a man. And I'm just like, I'm like traumatized for life right <laughs> that's so your dad too right <laughs> and like you look at the, like, this, this little kid this is a great shot of a little kid just bawling and i'm thinking like oh my god and like funny as a kid like you're traumatized yeah. but as an adult watching this i'm like this is great fucking tv <laughs> this is great fucking tv well again you literally had a guy trying to shoot another guy like <laughs> and what made it great being going back to the, the joe Rog- rogan podcast so jake's leaning in trying to get the snake off and he can't get it off. It's clamped right in, right? <laughs> he pissed but it off that much. Is, like, there's people screaming. The angle's going over perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. And Jake's going, Randy, you're doing a great job selling, man. And Randy goes, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's perfect. So the best is, and this is what makes it for me, gets the snake off, and Elizabeth runs out, and, you know, yeah. the the concerned wife screaming, oh, my God, no, no. And Randy's trying to get up to fight, and he's selling that, you know, there's venom running through yeah. So he can't even get to his feet. He's <laughs> staggering. And Jake, just being healed, just steps out of his way every time, yeah. right? J- Jake was such a good heel. And, dude, what made this so great, the, the perfect, like, ribbit bow on this perfect angle. Yeah. As, as they're taking Savage out on the stretcher, the Cobra's sitting erect, right? Like, standing up. Jake's looking right at the cobra, and the smile just comes on his yeah. face, this evil laugh. I literally did the slow clap. I was like, I've watched a masterpiece. And I get sad immediately because I'm like, they're never going to do anything this good no. ever again because they are a publicly traded company. Yep. You're never going to see a heel like this ever again. No. Oh, that's fucking great TV. I mean, and Jake was, again – it's so good because he's played that heel role perfectly, and it was like, at the same time, he's kind of that working man that you can still get behind. And, dude, it was just funny because the angle, it felt like it was building the mania, and it didn't end up happening. Uh, and I was always disappointed. It was more a TV feud because it was around the Rumble, right? You yeah. didn't get the pay-per-view match. I mean, I guess you can't this Tuesday in Texas, but... Yeah, and that was such a weird thing and about the old shows, Then I right? saw an interview where Jake explained why the feud got cut short. And check this out. So, apparently, 
um, Elizabeth's parents didn't know that wrestling was a work. And so they got mad at Savage because he didn't protect Liz while all this was going on. Like Jake slaps her down. And, oh jeez. <laughs> and so they said he wasn't a man. He wasn't. They, they banned him from his house, th- their house. So Savage was That's like, hilarious. Sorry. Savage got pissed off and was like, he needed his win right away. Yeah. He needed to get his revenge. And I guess if the feud was to continue, it was going to be like the big build up till Randy got the revenge at Mania. Right? Yeah. So once he got his revenge, it was kind of like, well. Feud's over now. He's got his win. Yeah. So, but that is my number one V. That's a good number one. <coughs> and uh, yeah, you know, fans, uh, uh, listeners to our show, uh, why don't you email us uh, your thoughts? You know, if you have uh, a number, what you, what you think of when you think of wrestling. exactly. We need we need uh, to get more active what, on the what, Twitter. What's our email, bud? Uh, or yeah, or tweet tweet us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're Instagram, uh, the Kickstarter podcast. Um, Twitter at Kick Podcast, Gmail the Kickstunner at gmail.com. Yeah, so reach out, guys, and, and I'm sure you know what you'll hit us with a moment and be like, "Fuck, it's a good moment." Yeah, or we're gonna be like, <laughs> "That moment, please." You're born in 2009, aren't you? <laughs> millennials. I mean, we're actually millennials too, but <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. Then quick shoutouts because we got people listening. I mean, we're up here in Canada. We got Americans. We got we got an Irish guy. Yeah, we got a listener over in Dublin, um, Peru. Yeah, that was, was great. That was kind of some cool statistics we're we're seeing. We're international, bro. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it's great. Love it. Um, so yeah, that is our first of our top tens. We're gonna sneak these out every once in a while. Um, anybody got any ideas for other top tens? Yeah, let us theme, know. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll pick our top tens for that. Um, yeah, and I think that's pretty much it for this one. So I'm Darcy. Now I'm Adam. Thanks for listening. All right, buddy. Take it easy.